Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, you are listening to Nobody Cares. I am your host, Auntie Donahue. I care a lot about this podcast because it's mine and I like attention. But this week... We have a very special guest. She is brilliant and she is so funny and she's so cool. Her name is Ebony Rosen. She is from Toronto. She has written a book of humorous historical essays called What I Think Happened, um, which is in its like something like second or third printing already, which is absolutely bananas. And she's sitting across from me trying to be very like, oh, no, no, no. But that's actually a massive deal. Um, so this week we're going to talk about – I mean, you know what? We're going to let you introduce it. What are we going – what do you give so many shits about? that we are now going to analyze it in podcast form. Oh, wow. Well, I thought long and hard about this, and then I just decided to plagiarize my own book on your podcast. Yes. Because um, I thought that's what real authors do. 100%. Uh, <laughs> but there's a, there is a, a chapter in my book, and it's the first chapter I wrote because I knew I wanted to write a book of humor essays about history because my publisher sort of said, you can write a book about whatever humor essays you want. And oh, I thought... Amazing. Whoops! And then I chose history, and then I had no ideas. But the only one I had for certain was a chapter called uh, "Why I'm So Obsessed with Napoleon." Um, that was the first thing I wrote in my book, and it's true. I love him. He's a freak. Now, okay, so take me back to like childhood or teenage Evany. Like, did you always love Napoleon? What was the big moment in which you realized it wasn't just um, an appreciation for, but a love? <laughs> I mean, I will say love with the caveats of like I know that I know this man a monster. Me know that. Me still love him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and like I, Churchill, it's like me and Winston Churchill, where I'm like, you're a monster, but yeah, I you still, not nice to women. You are a bad. Person. <laughs> you're such a colonialist. Like it's it's, it's upsetting. Yeah, I understand. Continue. But he's got those quips. Yeah, you know, he knows his what's up. correspondence with George Bernard Shaw is a delight. I love it. Um, <laughs> I love how much. See, listen. Sorry, we're going to go into history in a second. Go continue your story. Continue your story. Oh, my! So, so basically, um, I'm an only child of older parents. So I was real lucky when I was 12. I just spent a month in France with my dad. Uh, I got a real cool daddy, a real freak. Um, and he taught me a lot about history and made it really fun. Um, and we learned a lot about Napoleon when I was there and went to Napoleon's tomb Um in Paris, which is very at the Tuileries, which is very insane looking, you like look down over this gigantic marble sarcophagus, and it's like so uh, sort of grand and over the top. And I kind of remember asking my dad, being like, "This for the the little guy in the silly hat," and him being like, "Oh yeah, this guy a big deal." And then he started teaching me about Napoleon and telling me about it. And then I had a really impassioned history professor who was also like, we're going to just stop the class for a while to talk about this insane maniac from uh, history. Uh, so I think that started my kind of obsession with him. That's, so what is it about Napoleon that like – because, I mean, he's very polarizing. He's very polarizing. And he's yeah. a very like I think misunderstood – we like to talk about him a lot in pop culture in terms of like he has a Napoleon complex. But we don't really go further than that in terms of like – his personality traits or what he's done or how he kind of, I mean, was this this blessed leader who very much fell from grace. And we don't really talk Twice. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like he massively. couldn't stop falling from grace. Well, you mentioned his personality traits uh, in this kind of – and the fact that he kind of like, you know, he's the eponymous progenitor of the first – 
kind of complex of the male ego. Like, that's the first thing we go to. His first name, it just means, like, a guy who, eh, compensating. Um, <laughs> which I think is very, a very funny legacy um, for such an asshole to leave behind. Mm-hmm. But um, I think... What's so creepy and cool about Napoleon is that, you know, we have all these impressions of him as this, like, uh, little man with his big plans. And, you know, all the the British would make all these cartoons of him, like, stomping his feet and, like, punching a little globe and just being a real little bitch. Um, <laughs> but in reality, he kind of... There's, like, enough evidence to suggest that he kind of puppeteered and, and mastered all of that. So, for me, he's almost like a Kanye figure or, like, Taylor Swift where oh, you're like, do you know what you're doing? What? Who's real? Who's not real? Like, what yeah. image are you trying to project? Are you being crazy on purpose? Yeah. Like, it's almost like he pioneered the way that we um, look upon and talk about celebrities. Yeah. And some of his – one of um, my favorite historians of uh, Napoleon, whose name is David A. Bell, talks about in a very fun way about how Napoleon is like the first – like the creator of the cult of PR. Like he was the yeah. first one to be like, I'm going to create a cult personality around me that's bigger than me. And yes. even about how little I am, that might be part of it too. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Yeah. He didn't shy away from the mythos of his size. No. And he wasn't as small as everyone says because that no. was – uh, British measurements thing made it seem like he was real tiny, but he was just a regular sized French and man. And everybody was very small back then, in general. Everybody little. Yeah. Everybody tiny walking around back so, then. They're so small. Now, okay, did you go to school for history? I did. I went to University of King's College in Halifax, oh, and wow. I did a combined honors degree in early modern studies and history. And I barely passed. I started doing comedy, like, at the same time. And Picnic Face had already started, which was a sketch group I was in. Um, and they just barely let me out of there. They were just like, yeah, okay. We find it, we're loving the stand-up on the weekends. Here's, oh, I had to do my thesis twice because the first time I submitted it, it was, like, 30, 30 pages too short and full of typos. And they were like, you can't. This paragraph's just written twice. Like you can't. You like did a you did a cut and paste. I did a full cut and paste. Yeah. You know what though? The thing I wish they had told me when I was like in university and stuff. When you get when you are an adult, nobody gives a shit what your degree is in. Nobody knows how oh. cares how you did. Nobody like I don't care about your thesis. I think it's just cool that you went. I this 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 is the thing. Yeah, and you tell someone what your degree is in, and their eyes are glazed over before you finish telling them, and you're like, you don't care, you don't. and I don't care. No. <laughs> what no, did you go to school for? Well, I went to school. I dropped out. Three times? Nice. Yeah, great. I went to Conestoga for journalism, dropped out. Laurier for communications and history, dropped out. Then I tried to go back. Actually, I went back last year part-time for history because I really like history. It's Um, fun. It's so interesting. It also is just replaying right now. Like when you look at like what's happening with Trump and like what happened when like Hitler was ruling in the early 30s where nobody – people knew but they didn't know. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's very like you feel like a person being like, it's all happening again. Anyways, um – I realized it was just too much work to go back and try and work full time and like write all the time and being like, well, I could be paid to write essays for my job as opposed to this. And then I just realized I could just buy books. Yeah. And sometimes the books are more fun because I remember I had a lot of history classes. that I was like, yes, I love history and I loved it always for my dad and these fun trips. And there was a lot of classes like I took a class on Renaissance Italy and I was like, great. And the class was just like, we're just going to look at censuses of roughly how many uh, people were living on a Tuscan zucchini farm in the 16th century. I was like, oh, this is so boring. I don't care. Yeah. And also my aunt had a really good theory that like every prof that you meet, um, they're dressed in the year they graduated from their with their Ph.D. <laughs> 
Like if it was like the 90s, they look 90s. If it was like – I had one prof that looked like Darrell from Kids in the Hall. <laughs> and I was – and he spoke like him and I'm like, this is perfect. I mean I think like history – I always feel like cool, cool people like history. Yeah. Cool people do like history. Cool Punk rock. It's punk rock. So much happened and there's so many different – like I mean there's areas of history. I do not I, – I, my glaze over for sure. But like – I give me every Lucy Worsley documentary on the BBC because I will watch all of them. I have never seen one. Mm. I will connect you. After Please this. hook me up. Send so, me a link. Put you, it in a spreadsheet. I will. Oh, I love a spreadsheet. I oh my god. Do. God damn it. So when you talk about like when you kind of became enthralled with the idea of Napoleon, mm. um, and his cult of personality, etc., was that something that you like? Have you worn your obsessions? on your sleeve or was that something that you were like I know that nobody wants to hear about this or were you broadcasting how cool or how insanely like <laughs> crazy this man could be well what I was finding more and more like the more I think maybe I would keep that under wraps in an earlier time in my life but you know the more you settle into who you are the more you're like we're all talking about this because I said mm-hmm. um, <laughs> so I, think, I love adulthood it's so fun it's so fun it's just bossier really mm-hmm. um but I was finding um, that I was just kind of hijacking a lot of conversations to talk about Napoleon. Like, there'd be a lot of, like, I'd find, like, at one point I remember um, Kay Lorette, who's one of your other guests, who's featured heavily uh, in my book. Uh, she and I were chatting one night before I started writing it, um, and we were trying to talk about RuPaul's Drag Race, and then somehow I started talking about Truman Capote, and then somehow I got to Napoleon, and she's like, I don't know how you got from, like, modern gay culture in America to Napoleon in, like, three steps. I was like, yeah, I have a problem. No. I will do this to any conversation. I don't care what you're talking about. I will find a way to just get it there. But I think that's good pop culture commentary. Because I think, like, pop culture isn't just born out of, like, one day it happens. It's over, like, the course of time. Like, Truman Capote was – like, I can understand how you came – Right. When yeah, I say right? it, you're like, easy. I totally yeah. get how you got there. But also no one going into that conversation just wanting to be like, did you watch last night's episode? I liked Bob the Drag Queen's lip sync, whatever. Was expecting to have to talk about, like, sort of 18th century French politics within – 15 minutes yeah like that's that's just a mean thing that i did to that person <laughs> well you know what that is a mean thing that they did to themselves because if they're not ready then they should just shut everyone the fuck should up. be ready everybody should be ready just yeah or not and you're gonna get conquered that's what he did you're gonna say odds are against me i don't care do you have crush a- his mind now oh and it was and yeah. he looked good doing it yeah he knew how to wear an outfit funny hat Funny hat. Now, when you look at his story career, is there a part of it that draws you to it? Because I think, I mean, again, a problematic leader in history is Winston Churchill for me, where I right. think he's very fascinating and I would love – I love learning about him. Um, and the more worse things I find out about him, the more I'm like, wow, we really ignored so much because he gave good speeches in World War II. But like the I, for me, I look at Churchill. It is World War II Churchill that's interesting to me. It's not like 1919 when he was the minister of like war. Mm. What – when you look at Napoleon, when – like is it – is it awe? Is it this like intrigue with a certain area, a certain part of his life? Like, what do you zero in on, and what makes you like go? You know, since Wolf Kanye references ham the most. Great question, beautifully worded. Um, I think, yeah, it's kind of an it's an awe, but almost at at his audacity in a way. Mm-hmm. And then there's always like there's details of his early life that I learned about that I'm like what like i found out that he wrote, he just kind of wrote a gothic novel when he was like 19 and it's 
pretty bad. Of course it is. I haven't seen all of it, but I've seen – but it's like very passionate and he's very – he just kind of uh, – Josephine, who was I think his second wife – Oh, maybe it's for I can't remember. Uh, but his main his main squeeze was Josephine, and she was older than him and had two kids. And everyone was like her, and he was like yes. And she he was like obsessed with her, and she was kind of like eh, not into it so much. Um, and he was like so into. And I always I really liked imagining him with just like her two like ten year old sons being like guys, do you guys want to see some swords or? And then being like, we don't like you. Um, <laughs> like this, the worst stepdad. Yeah, these <laughs> details of him really delight me. Of him trying to be this like wonderful family man, and then people just being like, you're a bit much. Um, I really love, but then also as a period that's just fascinating, I think, is him coming back the first time uh, from exile mm-hmm. and having like 100 guys and managing to retake um, the whole French army and the Hundred Days War just being like this insane, bloody, brutal time uh, of him just really, I think before he was before that he was so calculated and kind of was like, I'll be this at home and this abroad and this and this. And, and after that, he was just like, ah, fuck it! It was like so nuts um, in a way that I really find funny until like after two and a half months, they were like, yeah, you're going to go to a faraway island now forever this time because that's you can't have a game. No. Um, And him just being very sad after that. It makes me laugh. He was like the original Dick Whitman versus Don Draper. Like he had himself Uh and then he had who the world began to know him as. Yeah. And the world did not love him by the end. And he did need to go to a farm and come up with the Coke theme song. Only in Napoleon's case, he died. This is, this is his yes. This was his Saint Helena. Yeah, uh, yeah. Napole- yeah. Napoleon's case. He just kind of quietly died alone. Um, but and don't we all? Don't we all? That's the thing. We he all die right. alone. Everybody, ch- calm the fuck down. We all die alone. I mean, listen. Dad on an island. You, uh, you should be so lucky. Really? I'd rather die alone on an island than like alone in this podcasting booth. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm going to say for me too. I would prefer that not. I mean, I would call nine one one. I would course. do anything would to help strange. you. It would be strange yeah. if you just dropped. I mean, dead I did right need now. that water real quick because I got really because this was room temperature and it wasn't super helpful. She did kind of run out for a water right before we started. I did. I, I got said, a little I bit. I need the cold. I need the cold. <laughs> Here's the thing: it gets really hot in here, and I'm wearing a sweater and I'm wearing rubber boots, so there's no like where. I mean, I'm my own Napoleon, basically, is what I'm saying. Like, I'm exiling myself into like a hellish scape. Okay, so I've got more questions for you, but we're going to pause for commercial because that's how the podcast works. Um, cool. Commercial. Bye. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Oh my god, what a great commercial. I loved it and I know what it was for and yeah. I felt passionate about purchasing it. Well, I'm it. making you use it right now. Yeah, mm, it's all over my skin. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, I mean, it's how it works in some circles. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to judge you. Well, I play Listen. fast and loose. This is how it's done here. Yeah. I my mean, skin's wet now. Oh, yes. Wonderful. Our Alex is like sitting here ready to like walk into the ocean. It's wonderful. <laughs> we're professional here on my podcast. It's, it's very fine. exciting. What were you going to do with a history degree? Like, what was if you hadn't? Did you love comedy until university, or like, what was that? I had done like improv and stuff when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. I had always been um, a goof. 
I guess. <laughs> um, so I kind of sought that out when right away when I got to university, um, and I started doing improv with um, with Kyle and Mark, who were also picnic face with me. Which kind of like so that like that kind of trajectory started pretty early in my. Um, school career all five years of it um and so by like by part way like by by my last two years two years of college i was already like touring as a stand-up and stuff um so i think pretty early on i realized i would not be using my degree but i sort of promised myself and my parents i would get it Mm -hmm. so i don't think i think i was young and fresh-faced enough when i went to be like i'll be a professor obviously and there'd be nothing else to have to worry about and then very quickly being like, right, oh, that's hard, as it turns out. <laughs> Everyone here thinks they're going to do that. Um, and then realizing I was going to do comedy instead. So I never really had to – I've never had to show my degree to anyone. <laughs> well, you did to get on this podcast. You showed <laughs> That's true. It was I weird. I had it. to put the the lotion on the skin and then I had to show my degree and then I was allowed to come. That was right. And I said, terrific. We need, I need a timeline to put on my spreadsheet of the Napoleonic eras that you are going to cover. She's a real Napoleon with I spreadsheets. I am a bit Napoleon with my spreadsheets. Here's the thing I find about men and leaders and stories. <laughs> Great segue. Great. Great. Here's, what yes. is up with men? Girl, yes. <laughs> You got your like giant coffee pot coming it's out too. Too big to be like. Listen, we have all day to talk about this. <laughs> I find that with men like Napoleon mm. or any so- sort of like storied leader that we come to like loathe and admire in equal measure, um, there is this like I don't want to say jealousy, but we look at them not with longing and like sexual longing, but in like a, I want to be you kind of thing. Sometimes that can happen even with like the most problematic leaders where you're like, oh, he's great at talking or oh, wow, they really like whipped that army into shape. Like is there any parts of Napoleon that you're like, wow, I wish? Oh, yeah. I think the way you put that's really accurate because there's something about um, these guys where we look at them achieve this kind of stranglehold over a nation or more um and we go like will you what 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 was it about? i think it's the same way we're obsessed with serial killers that get away with things for a long time and we're mm-hmm. like you're obviously a genius in some way and that's really dark and i hate it and i want to know exactly how and why i think we have the same thing with these men where we're like these ugly pricks are doing so like this just fat churchill and little napoleon these little dicks are doing so much amazing stuff and you're like how what do you have um that you don't need to be appealing and yet are in some way what is there i don't quite know what i'm getting at but no i know what you mean it's it's a there's a way that it's so fascinating to watch them be these stone cold sort of I think it's the same way people like, uh, well, I, no, we can't talk. I was going to say, I forgot that we can't talk about Kevin Spacey's character in uh, House of Cards anymore. So forget Kevin's that I mentioned character. that. We Cut that character. out. Put the lotion ad back in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I mean, but I get it. It's like that Frank Underwood knock on the ta- table where you're like, you are menacing. You are terrifying. I don't think you have a conscience. You're borderline sociopath, if not completely. You have no respect for any other person but yourself. Um, but you admire because I think those – Leaders, or they become almost like fictional despite their overt ordinariness. Because when you think about it, fuck, Napoleon's ordinary. Winston Churchill, they're pretty ordinary people. Like, they don't, they're not, anyone could do that if they really worked hard. And well, and I think that's what, I mean, I think more specifically politically, that's what really worked for guys like them. I think it's what worked for Hitler too, Mm -hmm. was that way of being 
uh, of appearing to be ordinary and of the people right. and that being part of this platform we hadn't seen before coming out of all these absolute monarchies mm-hmm. but then still in a way that was so much more so had such disdain for the people I think at the same time yeah. I don't think they would have known that they had that disdain for yeah. the people um, but you can't do that and like people no <laughs> well, no especially if you like I mean if you juxtapose like Napoleon on top of someone like Mussolini or Hitler like Hitler obviously had a contempt for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. And he, he put them in a spreadsheet. He, put them in a spreadsheet. <laughs> he was pretty specific about which ones. <laughs> he got pretty real. He, t- he only liked one kind of person, it turned out. Yeah. It was one kind. And oh, oh, boy. But he did a lot of good domestic policy for them, just like Napoleon did. Oh, uh, uh, you know, at the well, same time, th- he's like conquering everywhere and having like just, just ramming his dick through the rest of Europe. He also is like widening the streets of Paris in a way that would forever change the economy there and he's he created the first meritocracy that that country had ever had which they failed to do in the French Revolution. No one could figure out what to do and he kind of emerged like this little figure out of the Corsican Sea to be like, I got it. Yeah. Um, and it worked. So he's doing all this kind of positive stuff at home while being like, oh, everybody else is not a human to me. Yeah. 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 And I think like it's also, I mean, it is like the serial killer syndrome where you look at somebody, say you look at like Ted Bundy, right? Where you're like, I'd he's, love to look at Ted Bundy. I mean, he was Let's objectively handsome. Let's be real. Sometimes you just have to admit that certain uh, terrifying murderers were handsome. He what? That's how he got girls to follow him places because he looked not menacing. I mean, I could go on on Ted Bundy for like fucking we hours. All could. Oh my God. <laughs> but he had that like, you look, we understand he was bad and that we, he was like an evil person who did horrible, horrible things. But then there's that little part of him, like, I don't know if it's the calculation. I don't know if it's just the God complex, but they have that thing that like, like Napoleon would be in this camp. We don't have that because we have too much of a conscience. So there's that little part that's like almost like admirable because you're like, how did you, how were you Mm. able to do to just shut it off. Like, you almost wish you could, but you're like, I'm glad I can't. But Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to. But then, yeah, that's what's in, like, I mean, I think you get into, like, a Ted Bundy space, and you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, you turn off your conscience, and you <laughs> kill a many women. Yeah. Um, whereas Napoleon... Good luck and, finding them. Yeah. I mean, let's be he's real. He's hiding them real good. Yeah. Um, famously. <laughs> um, but, like, with someone like Churchill or Napoleon, where, no, they did do things that were good, and they... what. Um, and it so then it gets into like I think yeah it's 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 turning off their conscience at certain times but it's also this audacity space where I think maybe especially as women when why we become so fascinated by them it's mm-hmm. like I'm very confident but to have the confidence to just declare that I am the em- emperor of everything forever and know that a nation full of people will be like I agree is so bizarrely confident and insane um, that I think it's that kind of Icarian insanity where they're just like, and they eventually fly too close to the sun or become my prime minister again. If you're Winston Churchill, no consequences. Now, um, until you just fade the fuck away. Exactly. And your wife burns that historical painting that was beautiful of you because you couldn't handle looking at how old you had become. Wow. I know. Really loved until the end, I guess. He really just went, Ugh. oh, it's but bleak. That's, that's the thing. And there's like this, there's a crazy book that's by like one of Napoleon's longest time aides that he, and he's just writing every day about Napoleon. And there's really weird entries with it where he just talks about how like soft and small Napoleon ha- hands are for like a while. Wow. In this very tender way. And you're like, wait, this is thorough. Um, <laughs> What's happening over there? But it was documenting this whole diary of his life. And this guy clearly like adored him. 
But had it like was removed a bit, was like he's weird sometimes, but mm-hmm. I love him in a way that you're like, okay, I don't. What is that? Well, I think that's like the cult, like what you described as the cult of personality, like the magnetism. Because I think like when somebody has my friend Sarah Hagee came up with this quote. I, I think she came up with it. I don't know. But it was one day she just tweeted like, "God grant me the confidence of a mediocre white man." And this is very much, yeah, it's very much where you're like. If you believe something enough, and like actually, I don't know if you watch American Horror Story, but they did a. Re- it's too scary. It is me. very intense. Um, the I last, watched, yeah. you didn't know too much. No, no, tell me, tell okay. me. I don't know much because I watched the first to two cry, episodes. She's the first one. I she's got hysterical. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> it was this one was about the cult of personality. So they had Evan Peter, Peters' character. Um, it w- actually took on Trump full on, and wow. he kind of like morphs into this. Like appeals to everybody's worst fears and like um, what they want, but they'll never say. Like really, like tapping into their ids over their like consciousness. Um, and the whole thing is about this cult of personality. You see, Evan Peters kind of—he's this fucking loser who lives in his like in the basement and eats Cheetos and is. Then he uses the platform Trump, like all of these opportunities to become like a leader. So it's this interesting idea that some men. And women, I mean, there's like even prone was a little bit much. Um, wake up and are like, I lead now. Like this is how. Like I am, I am the win. I'm like Denise Richards in Drop Dead Gorgeous. I won. I'm the winner. Very good reference. Best movie. Yeah, yeah. I think a. I agree. Best movie. And b. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting. But then there's those where the cult of personality where you find out if anyone got too close to them, they were like, oh, no, nobody in there. That's a, just a pure narcissist. There's not a human being in there. Like Henry VIII. Like, oh, yeah, Henry VIII. He horny as hell, too. He mm-hmm. got a lot of other problems going on. Yeah. What a prick. He was a dick. If he hadn't yeah. hurt his leg, though, and hurt, they think it was a concussion that made him prickish. He had a God complex already, but then it was like the concussion that made him decide to just start killing people. Interesting. I he also had all that gout. He got real messed he was, up. At yeah. The end of his also, life. you're like living in an era where there is no antibiotics, so I don't know how to help you. No, and you're eating a lot of rich food. A lot of deer, and always just killing off. Well, getting rid of one wife to oh, they were always his current wife's uh, handmaiden. That would be his next mm-hmm. uh, lady in waiting. That would be his next. We uh, just should choice. start a history podcast. Oh my god, <laughs> um, I talk a lot about Henry VIII in my book too, and about his just a chapter about his penis and what it was up to. Um, <laughs> I need to. Okay, see, I okay. For, we'll talk about that after. But go continue. I keep interrupting you. Oh God, don't worry about it. I could just I talk worried. about dropped at gorgeous. I lost myself there. Um, um, the, I like somebody waking up and being like, I did it. Oh yeah, yeah. But then there's also the people that I think if you. Yeah, anyone that was close to them, Henry VIII being a great example, being like, oh, no, privately a monster. He also had absolutism kind of working for him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and finally ending that war that his dad ended and everyone just being relieved, I think. Um, but uh, I think with someone like Napoleon or even Churchill, where his wife loved him, and there's certain people that love them at a close range, then mm-hmm. you're like, what is, so what, then what is the switch flip? Yeah. Where you can do that and be beloved when you want to. It's very Machiavellian, and but in a way that is like beyond being f- someone who was like, no, no, it isn't better to be feared and loved. You have to be both. Mm-hmm. That is the skill. That is the line. And that's where I think that uh, mediocre white man confidence combines with a specific kind of genius uh, that – Someone else with the same genius just might not have the confidence that comes with that mediocre white man complex. And when you see those two things combined, then it creates these kind of figures that are like, what's going on with this guy? Right. And Napoleon was all over the place, especially at the end. 
Like he was. Yeah. Was it? What wasn't there rumor that he had like a brain tumor or something like that? What did like some? He wasn't well. I think there's a few of those rumors. I haven't heard one that's um, specific enough to be like that's definitely what happened. Um, but it seems very plausible. But then, but then you start looking back at his life, and you're like, he may have had this tumor the whole time, just pressing on his brain, and then finally it got too big, and then he started acting really crazy. But the level, the number of mantles he wore, the number of hats he wore for someone who most famously just wore the one, um, is really remarkable. Yeah, because he was also like, yeah, like I said, with this gothic novel, and he had this whole like tender lover image and all of that stuff. It's real into his mom. There's a lot of like a lot of weird details and a lot of weird and like him being so upset that the British um, that James McGillivray started painting these uh, cartoons of him um, called like Little Bonnie in a Fit and all these things of him like being a li- like that's where that little guy thing started. And yet he encouraged all of his soldiers to call him like the little corporal and had all these kind of sweet little nicknames for himself that he encouraged them to call him to kind of engender himself. So it's like, did you? leak your own size to the British? I mean, they've seen you, but I just mean like it's almost like maybe that was a way of... Because that was in a time of peace, and then a year later, he just smashed them all to hell. So I was like, I don't even know what you think you know. The controlling... I mean, Ugh. I think it's the controlling of one's image. The Taylor Swift complex. It's fascinating. It is fascinating. Okay, so now we've reached the point of the podcast where I have quick rapid-fire questions at you. Oh, great. I okay. know. Exciting. I hope there's more about Drop Dead Gorgeous. Oh, my God. Allison Janney basically plays... Tanya Harding's mom in it, which I thought was great because she's in I, Tanya. And she yeah, plays, yeah, yeah. I think she does such – I mean, that's who I am in my heart all the time, but that's fine. <laughs> I have a parent. smoking mom like, who doesn't love her daughter. That's why I'm not going to – I, I choose probably not to have children of my own. Bless. Ladies and gentlemen. Um, okay. So if you could hang with any era of Napoleon, what would it be and why? Mm, I think – I think it would be early Napoleon, earlier, mm-hmm. um, because I think then his eyes would have still been shiny and he would have still had a lot of ideas about what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And there could have been subtle ways to be like, okay, what was your intention initially? Because I think if you pick a lighter game Napoleon, he just really shouting about Spain in a way that you're like, I can't. Can I get a soup? I don't know. <laughs> Sucks. Um, so this I think terrible. I hate that I chose this. Um, so I think I choose like an, a, an earlier portion of him, like right before leading up to his coronation and that kind of period and being like, what do you think you're going to do? Oh, that's an exciting time. He's like Hamilton. Yeah. What do you think we get most wrong about Napoleon? Oh, God. I think a bit of everything. Um but I think the thing that's most wrong is that he's just his own punchline. He was just a little stamping man who was a, a pure joke because um, I think he wrote the setup to a lot of the punchlines that he came to represent. So I think it's, yeah, that he was little more than the absurd image we have of him. He's still absurd, but in a way that's much more calculating and insane than just like a little man with a big hat who's very mad. I think that's the thing we get wrong. I, well, yeah, that does sound about right. That accent was bad. No, that was great. I'm, <laughs> you're going to be doing all of my voiceovers going forward, including the commercial for whatever it is that we were talking about earlier. Get it on your skin. Oh, hello. <laughs> um, and men. What part of Napoleon's personality do you relate to? <laughs> great question. Um, I think... Oh, I guess, you know, and if I'm being honest, mm-hmm. just the idea that everyone's a bit of a ding-dong and it's just better to kind of tell them what they want to hear in a way that they think they thought of it. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> that's just called living. Just to be a real 
cunt about it. Well, that's fine. No, listen. I feel like that's just called being like an adult person. I knew I could say that to you and you'd be fully on board. Yeah, because I'm an only child too. So I also under am under like I for me I call it the Alexander Hamilton complex where I am like I you got to write all the time and I'm also like um excuse me like I stand for all this stuff and I will yell and also though um I should be maybe like doing more like because I'm great I'm Alexander Hamilton <laughs> and then my pride gets the best of me and I die in a duel but that's fine that's not for a while. That's not for a while. That's not for a while. I got ages before I'm going to that second island, so I'm doing great. We're good. We're We're doing doing fine. fine. How old was Napoleon when he died? Mm. Good question. Not as old as you'd think for all he did. I think in his 40s. Yeah, he wasn't super old. No. No. Now, what? how would you, in a dream world, how would you take your love of Napoleon and apply it to your career again? Because you did the book. So I did the book. Um, God, I'd like to just write more about Napoleon. I don't know what form it would take. Um, I mean, the biggest tragedy, I think, uh, in a creative space is that uh, before he died, Stanley Kubrick was like, the next thing I'm going to do is a huge biopic. And he wrote a Napoleon biopic, and it's awesome. Uh, And so I would never presume to write one because mine would be silly as hell. But um, doing anything, uh, I don't quite know what it would be because I've already kind of creatively gotten to talk about why I'm obsessed with him in my book. But Mm -hmm. I'll do that again. I'll keep going. I mean, I got more to say. Listen, I think you listen, look and listen, as they say on my favorite murder, our favorite podcast. I think that there's like a lot except for this one, which is the best podcast in the world. Um, I think that there's tons of ways to explore like historical figures, though, through like whether it be writing or whether it be like, I mean, who would have thought that like Alexander Hamilton would have had a musical after him? Or, like, who would have thought that, like, drunk history would be an actual viable source of information? I mean, who knows? Who knows? I think the thing with Napoleon is he's so done. I think that's why even, like, Kubrick probably could have got that made. But most everyone else is like, I won't. I really, there's a movie called, a French movie called The Emperor's New Clothes about Napoleon that's really lovely. Um, But, yeah, I think that's the fun thing about, like, the Hamiltons of the world is, like, people didn't know about him. Everybody knows about Napoleon. But it's fun to write about some of the misnomers about him. Yeah. In a more comedic way, I think. Well, that being said, why don't you so, – I hate when people are like, plug your book. Because, like, great. I hate – no. I feel like I've been plugging it the whole time. Sorry, guys. No. I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about it in our, like, conclusion of sending you off into the sea. So I'm putting you in exile as soon as we're done this podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. Handing me a boat ticket? Yeah, I'm it's scared. wonderful. <laughs> it's the Titanic. My other obsession. <laughs> oh, oh, very good. Yeah, obviously. The movie or the crash? <laughs> uh, both. Love great. it both. Love both for different reasons. Yeah, the shipwreck. That's the word I was the looking shipwreck, for. shipwreck. Yeah, very into it. Actually, apparently, it's going to be, like, no more at the bottom of the ocean within a couple of years because it's actually like just just deteriorating at such a rapid pace which breaks my heart oh james cameron must be pissed. he is rock hard thinking about visiting it one last time oh god he i think he's always rock hard I think he hasn't <laughs> seen a doctor about it and it's been hard for 25 years it's true i mean that's why i didn't like wonder woman okay so talk about yeah. your book a little bit to somebody who like heard my description was like bitch that sucked <laughs> now it's your turn um, so, okay. So very quickly, I think I mentioned this before, but I got approached to write a book of humor essays and I could write about whatever I wanted. I struggled with this for quite a while. Uh, and then I realized how much I love history and how much I love talking about it and how, um, there isn't always like a bridge gap, uh, between a more academic study of history and one that isn't like farce or parody, but one that just kind of tells you what happened. Uh, to the best of its ability in a digestible uh, comedic way, uh, which, but also that's not fair because it's not like a very correct uh, 
uh, timeline of Western history that's just like you're like, and you learn by year. No. Uh, it's also the essays are very personal um, and it's about weird trips with my dad and weird – it's full of weird shit. Uh, and it was just sort of whatever I could think of to write about history in this kind of like slapdash uh, harrowing for me way that I hope is fun to read. So there's an essay about why I'm obsessed with Napoleon. There are nine uh, pieces throughout the book called uh, Sort of Understanding uh, the British Monarchy, a partial timeline in several parts where I just try to do the whole history of England but I start too soon uh, in the – 11th century BCE uh, so it gets stressful um, but so yeah it's just sort of this kind of uh, grab bag of things um, and topics but people are telling me that they are they do learn something a bit and when we, they read it can they get it is it available um, at all major bookstore chains independent bookstores both it's available at both it's available on Amazon Honestly, if you can't find it at a main bookstore or an independent bookstore or Amazon, you didn't want to find it. Um, but You're an you idiot. Can find it. <laughs> you dumb. i sorry. Yeah. Um, but no, yes, it's available all those places. Um, uh, and I think it's on libraries. If you don't feel like buying it, I would love if you read it. Um, and if you thought I was rude, I'm so sorry. Please read it anyway. If you think she's rude... Why are you? I don't know how you got this far into the podcast because I, don't I mean, mother of God. Anyways, <laughs> listen, they can find you on the internet at EvanyRosen.com. I don't have a website. It's not good. But I'm on Twitter at Ebony Rosen. I'm on everything at Ebony Rosen because I got a weird name. It's a uh, great name. It's a very cool thank name. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, hippie parents. Um, but yeah, you can find. You just Google around. You find me. Oh, my God. Yay. Okay. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you for having this me. This was so fun. Um, this was so fun. Oh, my God. And, like, honestly, remember, guys, um, you can go on my podcast website, which is exciting, and then tell me what you care about that other people don't. And we can air it all on here. And it'll be wonderful and great. And um, remember that nobody cares except for me, which is why we've done this. And then maybe one day I'll talk to you all about how I feel about the uh, deterioration of the ship Titanic. Okay. <laughs> thank you for listening. I'm at Auntie Donahue on Twitter and on Instagram. And, uh, you know, say nice things to me and um, I'll block you if you're mean. Okay. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.